Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best founders, CEOs, and investors to help you scale a business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is Nicolas Est, the co-founder and CEO of Roboyo. Nicolas, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Um, super cool format that you created. And yeah, looking forward to um, be part of it. Thanks for the kind words. And uh, yeah, you have an, a very unique uh, story. Uh, as you know, we cover a lot of product uh, companies here on the show, VC packets. In your case, it's it's much more uh, professional services uh, yeah. firm yeah. by private equity. Uh, you started in 2016, so your international expansion was also quite aggressive and quite impressive. And you are yeah. also doing something that is tough to do but when it when it's done well it's it is super fine it's just it is super good in terms of scaling up a company which is your uh, m a uh, process that i think it's also helping with your uh with your growth yeah. strategy both organic yeah. and, and both m a yeah but let, let's go through get to know a bit more about your background and about yeah. revoyo before getting into into the main topics that we'd like to discuss and then share with with other fellow entrepreneurs that are going yeah. through the scale up stage uh, as yeah, you cool. did since 2016. Yeah. yeah, cool. No, thank you very much. Um, yeah, so um, as I said, my name is Nick. Uh, I'm um, uh, was born and raised in in Germany. Um, then um, after let's say high school times, I um, went a bit abroad and away from home for for nine years actually um maybe that was also part of our international uh, expansion at Oboyo that we talk about later a bit um, right. so yeah i went abroad lived a year in argentina um then oh. um, studied um, bachelor's degree here in, in germany went then to do my masters in um, dublin and barcelona then moved to switzerland uh, for three and a half years before uh, I started uh, Roboyo with my two other co-founders. So that's basically where my international part comes in. Um, yeah, my wife is from Spain, talks Spanish at home. So we have a yeah, very um, international background. <laughs> yeah. Now, now I can see why you were so, so successful in international expression. <laughs> <laughs> you have been preparing yourself during 90 yeah, years exactly. for that, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a soul mission, yeah. No, yeah. exactly. And and before uh, starting um, uh, Roboyo, I worked at Deloitte uh, in Switzerland. Um, yeah, was was great experience. Um, really um, in in the consulting space, you know, um, getting my um, yeah, let's say foundational skills right. I think it's uh, always very um, very good uh, and tough school uh, in starting your career in a consulting right. firm. I think is was at least in my case very helpful. Although I um not always happy uh, but overall i think looking back was was great and yeah basically then also um saw um like the topic that we are covering at Roboyo there the first time on a project yeah um and that's how i got in contact with um yeah this uh, topic called intelligent automation or hyper automation right Sounds amazing. And you're talking about, but but first let's go into yeah. Roboyo because people are listening yeah. and are thinking, okay, well, let's get to know more about yeah. Roboyo before asking follow-up questions. Yeah. Yeah. So Roboyo, what we are doing is we are, as you mentioned already before, we are not a product firm. We are basically an IT consulting firm. Um, so purely professional services um, dedicated uh, around the super interesting topic of hyper-automation. Um, hyper automation are basically yeah um, different technologies that you can use to um, automate um, processes to build um, yeah um, applications uh, for companies quickly um, to yeah uh, really improve let's say the ways of working within firms and uh, yeah boost your productivity um, be more efficient reduce costs etc and and that's basically what what we right. dedicate ourselves on. And um, I think what's, um, yeah, what has been um, very interesting for us, of course, was the way of, yeah, uh, growing the firm as a professional service firm. And I think we'll go into a bit more detail later yeah. because it has probably also some differences to, um, yeah, scaling a product firm. 
Right. So and let's come back to, to the follow-up question. So you said that you started the company with another two uh, co-founders yeah. in 2016. So typical question, uh, what has been the split of responsibilities? Uh, yeah. uh, what, it, what has been your lessons there? So it's, it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's always very important nowadays yeah. to start at least yeah. with, two, with two or three. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes this is also a, a source of conflict and as mm -hmm. the company scales, especially in a such short period of time, uh, it's difficult to keep everyone on the same page uh, mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. yeah. No, I think for us, um, it was was actually quite interesting. I was on a, um, it was actually maybe this, the story of how, how we got to Boyo because that's also connected yeah. to your question. Uh, I was on a project in India actually, and there was um, was around shared service and optimization um, for one of our Swiss customers, and was there together with another colleague um, and a third party firm who was actually understanding process for um, process automation, and was getting into talks with them and like, what are you guys doing? Uh, crazy acronyms that you guys use. Um, what are you doing? Sounds interesting. And then I explained a bit. Basically, I said to my Deloitte colleague, hey, can we then not do this ourselves? I mean, basically, it sounds super future-proof. You are automating recurring tasks. Um, uh, you are um, basically creating a digital workforce. Um, you are helping companies in their digital transformations. And all these nice buzzwords were basically uh, crossing. Mm -hmm. um, this must be, must be something that is cool. And there was not a lot of competition back then. Um, and like also the, the big IT firms, um, consulting firms didn't really have it on their radar or maybe on the radar, but not executing. And that's basically then, um, yeah, um, we started um, thinking around and then today basically I also have the perfect um, CTO for us, uh, which is also um, yeah long lasting friend um, called Sven. And um, basically then we met up. Uh, in our old employers' offices, uh, and basically, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, also we we then jumped into the cold water. Had no idea, of course, um, what right. this was about or how to build a professional service firm, etc. Was completely, um, let's say, with a very optimistic business case. Uh, um, a bit delusional, probably. <laughs> and then us three, basically, how, how did we split it? So um, Christian and myself, we both came from the Deloitte consulting part. So um, oh, it's really around um, process optimization, um, yeah, around um, rollout of um, of transformational projects uh, with customers, etc. Sven, he came from Capgemini um, back then and was, um, yeah, um, real um, yeah, technical um, delivery background um, and mm -hmm. was then basically also we said, okay, Sven would take over uh, the CTO role. Christian, myself, mostly on business development at the beginning. And then afterwards, like when, when it got a bit bigger, we then split out um, where, for example, more the HR marketing topics were with me. Um, Christian was um, more the sales part and um, there um, was some some other topics like IT, et cetera. So um, it was, was basically it was where... was an evolution. Yeah, exactly. It was, was an evolution. And also there, I think there was something that was very cool. We had a very... Um, yeah, diff, uh, let's say very diverse in the sense, um, a founder team, like from our skills, it was super diverse. So it was very different, um, each and every one of us. And that definitely helped us at the beginning um, immensely. Yeah. And today, Roboyo, uh, Nick, uh, what is the size of Roboyo? Whatever you can share in terms yeah. of revenue, ad counts, yeah. uh, et cetera. Yeah. So today, um, Roboyo, we're operating in 15 countries. Um, yeah. We are around 650 people today. Um, Incredible. More or less, um, yeah, uh, around 75 million of revenue that we are doing. And um, yeah, um, I, I think for us, I would say, of course, as you also mentioned, we have um, P investors, etc. Um, but for us, it was, and uh, sounds maybe a bit cheesy, but not like always about uh, achieving like uh, massive revenue numbers or um, head, head counts. For us, it was really from the beginning, and that didn't change a lot now uh, throughout uh, the last seven years when from really starting with three people to where we are today. Um, 
yeah, around building a company that can actually compete in such a, a competitive market. I mean, nobody waited for another IT consulting firm. No, so I mean, if if there's right. one thing that is enough on this planet, it's uh, IT consulting firms. So it was really <laughs> something where where for us it was clear. Hey, first, it's super tough market. Second. We want to yeah. stay in our niche and let's say the niche over the years became bigger, but still a niche um, where we really want to be um, yeah, a force that needs to be reckoned with, where we can compete against the big guys, um, big against the big system integrators, outsourcing firms, et cetera, and be known in our part um, of the our very, very small uh, part of the super big IT market. And basically mm -hmm. there um, be the number one independent um, and firm for our, for our customers. And this is basically where we started, which was a big wish at the beginning. Um, mm -hmm. And again, I think nobody of us really understood what this mean, uh, meant. But right. um, let's say from vision, it's 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 quite similar to where we are today and where we want to go. So it's less tied, I would say, to, of course, we have um, three, five-year plans, etc. And there right. are, of course, and also like quantitative goals that, that we go after. But I think the the point of like, yeah, building something on a global scale that has impact in the area um, where we're working, I think that's that's the our yeah. number one goal, yeah. Uh, I assume that w when we are talking, especially about uh, IT consulting and, and the services firm, uh, there is it is dangerous because we can start competing based on price based on cheaper resources yeah. uh, instead of delivering value mm -hmm. like like in any company but uh, i'm much yeah. more thinking about even the traditional uh, yeah. sectors that are a good inspiration for us right so typically if you are developing a product with uh, great ip great mold difficult mm -hmm. to to copy but nowadays there is always this uh, yeah uh, it's difficult to go in that way we we always mm -hmm. need to keep ads of the yeah. competition and and find our niche so it seems that even playing in services and not having your own product you were able to find a, a set of competitive advantages and your own niche your own category and mm -hmm. surf a trend like we do in vc but here in, in private equity with a, with a different um, mm -hmm. mindset and mechanism to to really be quick kind of leveraging an opportunity there that there was that you saw in the yeah. market that's maybe the big boys uh, yeah. or the big companies to, to not to not be uh, talk about boys or girls here um, were not able to uh, to attack right because yeah. they are so big that they are not able to specialize themselves in just one category. They want to add that category uh, to to their mix, and this is also interesting from an exit perspective because at a certain point they will also would like to acquire maybe this category and Roboy would be in a in a great position uh, mm -hmm. for that if the time comes and if you guys want to uh, at, at a certain point. Yeah, yeah. No, I am, I, I think, um, so there's a lot of, uh, of, of very interesting points that you just touched. Um, so I think it is probably exactly the same compared to a product firm, exactly what you mentioned, a lot of competition in the market. Um, maybe on the professional services side but no probably also the same for for product firm is like really you have also a lot of um or we have a lot of com competitors that basically have yeah i mean you you know them like an accenture capgemini right um, infosys etc who who are massive firm hundred thousands of of people um right. who can exactly also as, as you mentioned basically if if you go down the price route yeah complete out com out compete you because uh, i mean they have the resources to to suddenly um yeah build up big teams etc um but what we had and i think that is for me always like the the interesting part also about uh, entrepreneurship in total i think is really clear mm -hmm. focus clear dedication and right. At our point, also have to have to also say it, it was lucky, and um, we were at the right time. No, so there was also clear there was a new technology trend coming up. Um, I mean, at the beginning we tied ourselves very very close to UI path, um, which right. when we started was a twenty people firm, um, and then basically did one of the right. biggest tech IPOs. Um, yeah, I think two, two years ago. Um, so um, that's um, yeah was was something where. 
And we also, and again, call it luck, um, uh, basically went with the right partners um, very, very early in the market. And then also, I think for us, again, um, not being able to rely on massive financial um, uh, funds or whatever. Is, I mean, especially at the beginning, we, we were completely bootstrapped until we were around 120 people. Um, wow. it, was, it was not like that we were able to, okay, let's invest and try uh, if this works out over the next two years. No, we really had to see what do the customers ask for. Um, can we get uh, can we get money for our projects? If not, okay, let's put it to the side. So there, I think, is then also, again, the big... Um, difference um towards the the big it players who of course i mean if if you're already doing tens of billions of uh, per year um with um yeah a lot of lot of different tools and, and not just one dedicated let's say um, right. niche that you're working on of course it's it's very hard to yeah innovate yourself no and then find new interesting markets and again then also the question is is what we do actually interesting to them because I mean, if you're already in such a size, um, what was yeah. big for us at the beginning, they wouldn't even touch, no. And and that's like also very, right. very interesting, yeah. But but nowadays, uh, you start getting closer, especially in this category, to yeah. to those big uh, consulting yeah. companies, right? Yeah. So with seventy-five million in yeah. revenue, yeah. And for us today, of course, our standing is very different. I think we have quite a unique standing also in the market overall. So first of all, I would say we have like three main competitor groups. Um, first is um, the big um, SIs and outsourcing firms like uh, Accenture, Infosys, um, yeah, all the ones that I mentioned before. Yeah. On the other side, you have all the big fours um, like um, right. accounting and, and um, tax consulting firms like a Deloitte. Um, EY, PwC, etc. Um, and then the third is basically smaller competitors that we have, um, like also pure plays, um, people who yeah, are very focused on, um, mm -hmm. on one or two um, of the technologies that we work with. And I think our standing is very different because first, um, what a lot of our customers don't like, and uh, I think we get to this later, but our customer base is basically yeah. only... Um, yeah, uh, Fortune 500 or Fortune 1000 right. firms that we work with. So it's um, not like mid-cap or anything. We just aim for also the same target customers yeah. that all the, all the big guys aim to. Yeah, or, exactly. Or, or large enterprise customers, yeah. right? And, and what you can see with them is, is interesting that there is, and this I completely underestimated myself as well at the beginning, that there is a big hunger for working with specialized firms on very specific topics because we don't go right. there and say we can solve all your IT problems. No, we go right. there and basically say, let's talk process automation. Let's talk low code. Let's talk conversational AI. Um, and that's then basically things that um, where our customers and it is like continued um, phrase that we get in our feedback uh, talks with the customers, etc. It's like really this, we like that you guys are super dedicated and like laser focused on on um, yeah what you do. And that's of course like our main um, main good thing against like the very big guys. If you look right. towards more like the big four and, um, and the other accounting firms, they're in, in some areas they do what we do, but then also not on a global level because they are mainly um, country organizations and we have a very global setup. So we have one talent pool, um, one um, um, yeah, global delivery model that we work out of. And that's basically how we um, differentiate towards them and can then also be um, aggressive on uh, on prices if need to. Um, we can be um, yeah, more global than the local um, Deloitte or whatever. So if we have a right. lot of, as I mentioned, very big customers who where we work also multiple sites globally, which would be very difficult for um, uh, the big four um, guys to to have like a, let's say, um, concentrated approach on. Um, right. I know this back from my days when I, I was at Deloitte, it was very much your Swiss country organization. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, we don't work here with the German fellas and then the other one, right. the partner don't like uh, the other partner from the Spanish firm or whatever. And then you directly see, okay, that's that's not a really global organization. So that's our competition there, or let's say um, yeah. advantage. And on the smaller guys, on, on our pure play competitors, there we are simply 
so much out of scale now um, where we can provide basically in all the big markets um, the, the same services. We are so much bigger in terms of um, depth of offering and the amount of technologies that we offer to, to our customers. <laughs> and this actually like, <clears throat> if you look at these three main com competitors, or let's say competitor right. groups is basically Group how we can yeah. really um, differentiate and have a very unique standing at the moment in the market. What I love about your strategy is really the you know the category, the the focus. Uh, but it's it's as you are saying, it's not just a very small niche. Maybe you started with a few technologies, but you are expanding it. But at the yeah. same time, you you don't have an offering so big and so generalist yeah. as as the big ones. Uh, mm -hmm. And you are also competitive against the smaller ones because yeah. you can offer more solutions to to your customers. And then you made it. In, in that niche, a global company, right? Yeah, so, exactly. which typically I think that's that's what scales the best because when you have too much complexity, uh, I think that the, the work of, of scaling up, it's all about killing complexity. And yeah. sometimes mm -hmm. it's difficult to to explain to someone who has never uh, yeah. scaled a company because it's, it's counterintuitive. So we always think mm -hmm. about how do we add more variables to, yeah. to the mix and really playing with industries, geos, sizes of company, use cases, in your case, technologies that is related to use cases, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, it, it's it's important because then uh, the complexity of your business are the number of geos times mm. the number of uh, industries times mm. the number of um, sizes of companies, in your case, it's yeah. just one enterprise, <laughs> large enterprise, right? Mm. So that's why it's so important. To, it, it seems easy, but the ICP and the and, uh, it's so important to be really narrow about what we want to achieve and then step by step opening it a bit more but not yeah. opening it so much that it becomes so difficult to scale so mm. much bureaucracy that then the growth will will start to slow down right mm. like that's any exactly. large company yeah <laughs> like... <clears throat> sorry that's exactly how, how we did it also i mean for for us 100 as, as you described it we started out with one technology that we work with called robotic process automation RPA. So it was basically yeah. at the beginning what we started. We then did notice like, yeah, customers also want more and more, um, let's say, connected topics. So we started intelligent document processing. We did some first conversational AI topics. Um, we started in the low code and um, app development uh, direction. And now last one that we basically added was process mining. So that's basically exactly as you described it. We, we came from one and build up our credibility their customer knew okay these guys are really super deep into this technology a lot deeper than all of the other competitors especially the big ones we then um, expanded into new ones brought them into our customer base and yeah that, that's basically where we are today and then also on the services side um expanded quite a bit where we started beginning just as an implementation firm now we have yeah. more than 80 people basically all non-technical consultants, so really talking about big um, transformational programs that we work with with our customers. And that's, um, yeah, exactly as, as you described, it's a very similar way for us. Um, right. for yeah. And something that I really love about what you just said is uh, it was kind of, you were able to become a trusted partner with those large enterprise companies. So you already had the customer. Now it should be much easier to start introducing uh, services to those customers. And those customers, by definition, large corporates, they are almost global. So it was also mm -hmm. a way uh, to to go global, or I would say it to be even important for them that you could roll out the project in a in a global way for, for their team. So it was also a path for internationalization. Then I, I think that the difficult part there as an entrepreneur is okay, maybe the clients are pushing me to go in directions that I don't feel I'm an expert or maybe it's too much and mm -hmm. I can start become kind of a bespoke agency yeah. and just start offering all the technologies yeah. that the specific uh, blue ship uh, client yeah. is, uh, is offering us. So I think that they're staying no and, and staying focused, yeah. but at the same time staying open and listening. What, what are the patterns that I see mm -hmm. a lot of clients asking for to select the next technology? Mm -hmm. And I think like, I mean, there was, of course, many times and is still the topic for us. And, and we are super strict on what we want to be and can be. Um, 
and what we don't want to be as a company, which fields we also don't want to serve. And of course, I mean, short term, you might uh, lose out on some revenue or um, margin or whatever. Right. Um, but I think longer term, the customer really appreciates it if they know that basically hey, these are the experts for this topic. We will not go back now tomorrow and say we can also help you with your S4HANA migration. No, this this will not <laughs> um, be in, in our field of um yeah, of, of interest in customers, then also, um, yeah, re really appreciate this. Right. So let, let's go to the international expansion. So it's, yeah. it's really, you're talking about uh, 15 countries uh, yeah. so far, and uh, you also have on your LinkedIn, 24 cities, four continents, really a global company. You're talking about 4,500 clients, 22 of the DAX 40, the German index um, of the largest companies in, in Germany, companies mm -hmm. with which it's more than half of, of, of them. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I was, yeah, we were going in terms of international expansion. So uh, what, what were your main lessons learned scaling up your company and making it global, right? Yeah. In such a yeah. short period of time, we need to remind the audience you start in 2016, so still mm -hmm. seven years, only next January, yeah. uh, eight years, and <clears throat> again, 75 million and 650 people. This is quite impressive growth, and uh, a lot of firms would be happy to be present maybe in five countries at, at this stage. It would be already a huge success. So mm -hmm. with so many countries, this is really quite impressive. Yeah. I know that with enterprise, it's also a path to expand, but, mm -hmm. but yeah, give give us a, an overview about your lessons yeah. learned yeah. Uh, making your company global. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean that would be a long uh, long episode. Right, it could be it could be just an episode about yeah. about that. Right, just yeah, the main takeaways. I mean, yeah. there, there's there's so many so so many takeaways also to this. So I mean, we actually got into it more accidentally i would say because for us uh, when we started in the firm and and expanded quite quickly like over the first year we noticed a hey, we as a super small um, um firm here we cannot attract also all the talent that we want and then back in the days was basically full employment in germany it's super hard to find people um and then yeah as, as i still had also connections from uh, when i studied in barcelona um, yeah, and, uh, I knew a colleague there, and, and yeah, uh, she was basically then the the perfect um, person to to set everything up because we we saw a back in the days then um, was um, yeah high unemployment unemployment rate also after very well educated graduates um, from Spanish universities we wow. um, yeah basically were um, a kind of um, we already had this had this uh, global mindset also from yeah uh, working remotely and and getting also people um, mm -hmm. yeah on board from different locations on the same projects whilst we also still are big uh, let's say or big in favor of um, having offices so I don't want to say we are a remote only company um, okay but uh, that was something that. That basically so it's a, then it's a hybrid model so far. Sorry to interrupt you. Right. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So I mean, we now try to do more and more um, like um, affiliating people to offices, um, because yeah. again, also I mean, if we're talking about fast growth and talking about uh, maintaining culture and not becoming the next, uh, uh, yeah, just boring big consulting firm, um, we need okay. our people um, to be interested also in or in being um, a part of, of Oboyo culture. So that's why especially um, I expect more than just, let's say, doing a good job on a project. I expect also people to take care about newbies, to um, be part in the offices, to be part of, of our culture, what makes this company special. And this is something that um, for me, fully remote doesn't work, especially if you're scaling so fast, because then you just become right. yeah one in a million. Um, so, so that was was one important learning. Second uh, important learning for me was it is always a lot more costful or let's say costly than you think. So every estimation mm -hmm. you do on uh, international expansion, take it times three. <laughs> right. probably, probably end up uh, somewhere where where it could be. Um, so. It was, I mean, looking backwards, um, 
Yeah, I don't want to insult myself or anything, but it was, uh, <laughs> was the, let's say, rather aggressive uh, um, mindset that we had. And yeah, everything will go right. Um, but again, I think that is then also part of this uh, this process where we can take also more risky decisions um, than, than the big corporates. So this was something that, uh, of course, uh, we didn't uh, have this uh, probably planned, or, or it's the, the cost structure, right? This was um, was was a risky topic, but it worked out for us. And um, I think what we also see is, and, and this is also very important. Um, we of course have like one vision, one mission as a firm, and and also like um, values that we um, propose in in the countries. Um, and that we ask our employees for, but there are different, um, there are, let's say, different nuances in the different markets. The way you talk with your US customers is very different to our Spanish right. customers, you know, and, and the way you attract talent is different, the way you do business is different. And this is something that um, I think um, also, again, super important that you are adaptable and not just have like this one um yeah, uh, for example, sales methodology that is what you follow and um, uh, you cannot look left and right. This this was also something where I think we were quite quickly in adapting then also to the new markets and um, bringing local people in. Um, that was, was super important for us. On the other side, we had usually when we opened the new markets ourselves, um, basically always trusted people to, to start it. Because hiring, or at, at least in in my uh, experience, m might be different for for other people. Hiring, like if if you set up a new market, a completely external uh, MD or whoever you want to hire there, um, that's that's usually super difficult because it needs a, a right. mix of experience, not not let's say so much job related. This for me is secondary, but more like how does the company work. How do we um, go to market, etc.? Which, mm -hmm. yeah, is is very different if you um, come completely external. Um, so there, we usually went with like people that we already know, um, people that we, um, yeah, wanted to relocate, etc. And then basically, once let's say the setup, etc., is is done, we then went with local um, colleagues to to set up, or let's say expand in the market. Oh, this is a great advice. So it's it's really important to have a strong connection and relationship and, and trust in the person yeah. that you are sending to that new market. But then uh, that person or that talent needs to find local people to, yeah. to help them uh, really penetrate the market and yeah. open the market. And especially, I mean, again, if, if you come from uh, massive financial background of an Accenture or whatever, it's it's probably easier yeah. to hire everything external. But for us, it was always like one shot has to be right. Because for us, it would have been like probably for the whole company a disaster if we go like our, our first um, right. internationalization was to Spain, as I mentioned before. If this would have yeah. gone wrong, uh, it would have probably sealed our fate at, at the firm also there was like something where we yeah. um with the tightness of resources and yeah basically growing out of cash flow only um that was was something where um yeah it, it was just impossible for us to um to basically go from um yeah let's do it with externals and hope it all works out so it was clear that it had to come from us Sounds great. And so I, I, I imagine that the majority of your markets today are both in Europe. So it started in, in Germany, then your second market is in Spain. And so the majority are in Europe and the US uh, mm -hmm. being a super large, uh, yeah. super large market for this kind of services. Yeah. Do you have any other uh, yeah. markets that you like, like? Because you're talking about four continents as well, yeah. right? Yeah, so we, we are also present in Australia. Um, okay. That is um, a very interesting market for us. Um, yeah, really great movement there. Um, hungriness for technology, um, also okay. hungriness for working with um, dedicated um, smaller partners like us. 
Um, so th that's a great market. The US, as you said, um, and, and probably will be yeah. this year our biggest market already. So, um, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's for us uh, extremely important, um, super right. successful, um, great story also for us and a lot of great customers that we that we can serve there, which is awesome. Um, yeah, and then um, Europe, basically, um, yeah, uh, everywhere in Central Western Europe. Um, right. And then basically in our global structure, we have some delivery centers um, where, um, yeah, we then basically also serve global projects from. Got it. And um, so you, you said that in, in until you got to 120 people, you have been bootstrapping. So was this from 2016 to, to when? 2020. Uh, 2020. Wow. Yeah. Really, in the pandemic, you in the beginning yeah. of the pandemic, you decided yes. to uh, to change it or or to go. Yeah, basically, we had party. Yeah, we had yeah. the kickoff for our investment process like end of March 2020, which was okay. exactly Great when uh, when uh, <laughs> when COVID started. So we had also all our uh, investment meetings, etc., all um, all virtually. Um, yeah, which was yeah. also not really cool, but uh, on the other side. Um, yeah was still i think for um yeah our market uh, which is extremely growing and and i think our track record didn't make like a like a big difference um back then but yeah i think how, how did it get to this i mean for us it was uh, we got a lot of approaches from yeah strategic buyers like um, the big ones that i mentioned before um but was for us clear hey, wait a minute if we're growing 100% a year um, and uh, basically, most of our customers are just at the very, very beginning of their of their uh, road on process automation. Right. Uh, why would we sell the firm? I mean, it wouldn't make any any sense. And also, there it was not like that. We wanted to just make a, a quick buck and and then uh, get out, um, because again, the, um, the chance was was too interesting. Um, and um, yeah, um, just too big to, to just let this go. On the other side, you also have to be fair. Uh, let's say our financial footing back then was, uh, let's say, uh, <laughs> I would call it borderline. So it was, was really something <laughs> where also back then, I, I, we just noticed hey, we, we need somebody. And also none of us really had um, like a financial or accounting background, you know, where he said, hey, we need somebody um, who, um, um, yeah, who, who can basically help us bring this firm also on the next professionalization level now there, where we have um, some uh, strong partner in the boat with us um, who wants to basically, yeah, it's also aligned um, to um, to where we want to go and what we want to do. Um, and that's then basically where we said, okay, we don't want to sell the firm. <clears throat> on the other side, we need some support and also some um, capital to, to um, yeah, expand further. And that's then basically where I said, okay, private equity route would probably be good because it's quite interesting in private equity market, especially over the last um, um, over the last um, let's say four or five years, they really look more into um, um, professional services firms as well. And mm -hmm. so where this was very different um, time before that, and venture capital is at least for um, yeah for for professional services very difficult. They usually right. um, yeah. As, as you know anyways um yeah look more for product firms etc so um was then for us clear and uh, private equity it is um was then for us also clear we didn't want to sell majority so we uh, looked for minority investor right who can then basically yeah help us on on this road of yeah becoming a better firm um investing some capital um to yeah basically uh, de-risk the, the company's position and that was then something with what we looked for and did actually very um quick process was a lot of lot of interest also um yeah and then basically started um yeah april and we had um everything signed beginning of september that was then also um yeah, very quick yeah, yeah. found a very good partner there with mml um yeah which helped us a lot so great metrics, still great potential to grow. It was not great metrics of the past without any potential to <laughs> keep growing, right? So, yeah. Yeah. so as you said, beginning, uh, beginning to surface or to to explore the a big mm -hmm. opportunity is. So at that time in March of twenty twenty, 
what what was the size of the company were you in how many markets already uh, yeah. do you remember um i think bootstrap we went into five markets we already went into the us which was another um let's wow. say interesting chapter <laughs> wow. but again again also only through personal context and also not big so i think when we when we started our or let's say until um Yeah, 2020, we had maybe 10 people in the US or so. So there was um, something that, um, still, yeah. yeah, still uh, try to survive. And uh, <laughs> was, was uh, of course, I mean, uh, US is, is a very different and uh, interesting market, but Anymore. it was, yeah. was, was very tough for us. Um, and yeah, exactly. So we were in around five, yeah, maybe six markets um, before that. Um, yeah. but was also something that the investors liked very much. We did this expansion already and, and we're right. also able to basically deliver projects globally, which um, yeah. most of our competitors don't do. Yeah. Do you remember? So in terms of ad count, it was kind of an hundred plus people, right? That's, yeah, that, that's exactly. Something like this. Yeah. And in terms of revenue, do you remember it was already 10 or? Yeah. 12, I think 12 around million. that. Yeah. yeah. In, in 2020. Yeah. And did you have, did you make any uh, acquisition uh, until that moment or acquisitions no, no, only no. started after uh, yeah. the private equity investment? Okay. Exactly. That, that started then. And that was basically, yeah, in, uh, something where we also, yeah, said to the, to the PE guys, say, there are several smaller companies like us also in the market um, okay. that are interesting or that are blocking our way in maybe certain markets, et cetera. Um, so would it not be interesting to um, yeah to start something in, in the M&A direction as well? So that was was definitely part of this. Yeah, got it. C can you share how how much have you raised so far? I think this is public, right? So uh, not sure if you are comfortable sharing or not. Yeah, in in, in the first um, first round, and we're just about to finish our second round. I mean, for first was around um, a bit more than 20 million euros. Yeah. Um, And the first round, uh, the second round will be, yeah, um, of course, uh, bigger. Um, maybe next time right. we can we can talk about it. Oh, uh, that's that is amazing <laughs> excuse for a second episode, also because I, I see the time flying and yeah. can go in depth. And I still wanted to go to to M and A, so maybe we need to yeah. get you back to, to discuss yeah, yeah, fundraising yeah. and M and A strategy in yeah. in more detail because it's it's incredible how time yeah. fly when we are having a good time and when we have a great story, <laughs> right? Yeah. To share. <laughs> no, exactly. Okay. So, and I imagine that those smaller companies were kind of the that third group that you were talking about, the yeah. the third group of of exactly. competitors. Yeah. So you were seeing. So of course you you couldn't acquire an Accenture or a Capgemini or a Big Four, uh, but then. <laughs> not, not yet. I love the mindset. That's it. Not yet. We need to. We need to. Talking to my podcast, to my podcast producer, we need to extract this snippet to promote the, the podcast. Not yet. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, no, so, so you exactly saw there was, an opportunity. It was out of yeah. the, this uh, third category. Johan, hundred percent right. And uh, I mean, comes out a bit back, and I think uh, we discussed already before um, the. Let's say integration also is, of course, a very different topic if you're a people only firm. No, so basically our assets are not machineries or um, code or yeah. whatever. It is basically people. We want to keep the yeah. people. We are in a super fast growing market, and we need the talent also, and also talent. I would say on every level. So it's also not that we say basically on a leadership uh, perspective everything is done and dusted we know everything no we want to have experienced also entrepreneurs joining roboyo and taking off a responsibility for certain parts in the business um, and that's how we did also the integrations in the past you know where we offered interesting positions also for us it's always important that the founders stay on board so we don't want mm -hmm. to um, yeah, basically have them leaving the firm after after the firm is is bought by Roboyo. This is 100% clear and also clear no no go uh, criteria if if this is not the case. Um, we have um, yeah um, try to really build and and that's I think the the important part 
um, people buy into the vision and the story. So if we would now say, mm -hmm. okay, in two years, we want to be bought by Tech Mahindra, um, that's then probably not the vision that these entrepreneurs want to want to hear. No? So we want to yeah. be this uh, independent force. We want to be um, yeah, a global um, IT services firm with impact. And that's, I think, where people want to be part of. And yeah, that's then basically where we look now at the beginning, of course, very different scale. Now also um, bigger firms that we um, yeah want to acquire for certain topics, usually around uh, three topics. Uh, it's geography, technology, or methodology. Mm -hmm. We say geography, mm -hmm. there's some interesting markets that we are not present yet or that we want to strengthen. Technology is then yep. basically around, okay, do they have some cool technical skills or do they um, work with some cool tools that we don't um, work with yet, but our customers ask us for or that we want to integrate um, yeah, proactively in our, into our portfolio? And the third one is then on the methodology side, something where, mm -hmm. yeah, what kind of consulting services do we not offer at the moment that other um, consulting firms offer? So, for example, we bought a lean consulting firm, which uh, surprisingly does lean consulting, um, and basically, <laughs> um, yeah, help our customers to optimize processes before we automate. You know, it was super cool puzzle piece. Um, they are um, hugely successful for us. And that's basically the three categories that we look at if we think about M&A, yeah. I, lo I love that approach. I imagine that a lot of companies would like to use or buy or uh, or implement a software that's uh, of uh, of your partners, right? Because mm -hmm. you are a professional services firm, but then they are not ready uh, for that, and the pro and the project will fail. So mm -hmm. having having that consulting and and maybe not again distracting yourselves going in that direction and doing this for for the clients, uh, it seems also. Mark, just giving one step back, uh, yeah. how many companies have you acquired yeah. since you started the M&A strategies? So you got invested by P uh, in 2020, mm -hmm. uh, September. Yeah. So so which means that the M&A strategy or the uh, M&A route of growth starts mm -hmm. in... In 21, uh, yeah. Okay. So in 21, we acquired two firms and in 22, three. So five in total yet. Yeah. Got it. Any outlook for 23? That's uh, um, we are already September. Yeah, right? they, so. they will definitely be. Um, yeah, definitely be some uh, acquisitions coming this year. Right. Maybe one or two. Yeah. Okay, but no, non disclosed yet. So no, uh, they, 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 they are on the on, on the pipeline, right? Yeah, okay. exactly, exactly. Yeah. Okay, and and you think this will be. Uh, and by the way, how do you think about combining organic growth and yeah, M&A exactly. growth? Super important. This is one yeah. of the, yeah. Mm -hmm. So for us, the focus is always on organic growth. So that's that's 100% okay. clear because we want to be, or let's say for me, the point is like, if we are in such a fast growing market as we are, and we don't grow organically, then something is off. And they can basically just be that we are not relevant or let's say our services are bad or we don't serve the right products, etc. So mm -hmm. that's then basically something where our focus is always on organic growth. So last year, we also grew 35% organically. Um, and then together with the acquisitions, grew another in total than 100%. And that's basically where our focus is always organic growth is definitely number one. And then okay. uh, if we can accompany it by yeah some interesting um, acquisition targets, then perfect. If not, then not. Okay. So in, in overall way, the ambition is to keep doubling or growing at 100% year over yeah. year. Yeah. And and now that you are getting to a very large size, it's it becomes more and more difficult to grow via uh, by organic growth. So you this this year you target for thirty five percent. So which means that the 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 sixty five percent would need to come uh, out of uh, of M and A. So yeah, what exactly. what you are saying is, is as the company is so big. The organic growth rate will become less and less, but you yeah. don't want to get to a point that you would have kind of an hundred percent MA yeah. growth and the current portfolio is even shrinking. Yeah. I'm not talking about it, but or yeah. growing just five percent or yeah. Yeah. Uh, or 10%. No, so our our minimum goal for organic growth is twenty percent that we that we okay. set ourselves. Um and, and that is 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 clearly for us number one priority. Um, and it's also not that we say our overall growth has to be 100% every year, definitely not. So it's more like really that we basically 
go at the beginning of or let's say last quarter of the year before say okay this is our organic growth number this is the most important part if then there are some acquisition opportunities coming up which complement is perfect but uh, if it's it's not that we have basically a pure m a strategy definitely not yeah yeah and again that, that's a different mindset so this is not vc uh, mm. even if it was vc you are at 75 million so mm. it's it's a different size where kind of 50 percent would, would already be an amazing growth rate mm. and having in mind pe i would even assume uh depending on the strategy that 20 25 percent uh is it's not yeah. a, a bad growth rate, uh, depending on what you want to optimize for profitability mm. or or growth or a yeah. combination of, of both. Yeah. That is also yeah. a difficult tension, mm. right? Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And for us, it's clear. Um, I mean, we were we were always profitable as a firm, um, from the first year and and still are. And, and that's like, um, for us also part of this organic topic is clearly it is not growth at every cost. We look very hard right. on. Also, the quality of revenue. What are we doing? What are high quality services? Um, and it has to be um, like a healthy, um, yeah, healthy mix between, um, yeah, uh, creating also uh, EBITDA, um, but um, growing the revenue as well. So that is yeah. is is both on top of our heads. Yeah. Uh, how do you see? You were talking about the quality of revenue. So how, how do you see kind of? recurring revenue, which is one of the things mm -hmm. that, for instance, VCs love yeah. to see yeah. in SaaS businesses. Private uh, equity as well. <laughs> uh, private equity also loves yeah. recurring revenue, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so they, there's, there's a clear movement on, on our part um, as well to move more to recurring revenue um, topics. Um, yeah. So at the moment, um, this is probably around 20 to 25% of what we do. But um, our ambition is clearly that it's... Um, goes over 50% in the next two to three years. So there are different awesome. models where we serve customers differently, where we help them also on support and maintenance topics, hosting solutions. Um, yeah, and, and really more like on a um, maybe digital outsourcing part, um, which I think is another very interesting topic. We're just at the beginning. Um, so um, that's basically how, how we see it. So it's a clear trend also going there. Right. And final question around this topic, and we definitely need to bring you uh, to the to the show again, uh, Nicholas, if, if you are willing to, of course, and also yeah. to celebrate the, the news that uh, are coming, according to what I've listened in this, in this episode, um, which is, we, we were talking about your investment thesis or on, on your M&A uh, strategy. So you talk about that you want the founders to stay on board, to that they buy into the vision, uh, that you want to stay independent, to really build build a, a global player. There is not the, an exit already in the in the horizon uh, yet. So, do you have any other criteria in terms of the of the target? So, should it be kind of one to million a bit, or five million a bit, or ten million in revenue, yeah. five million in revenue? So. Do you have any kind of North Star in terms of the investment thesis around the metrics that the business would need to have in order to be acquired apart from the what I really enjoyed, the geo, the technology and the methodology criteria yeah. that you shared? Yeah. Um, so basically, no, we don't have like um, um, specific, let's say, defined goals on revenue earnings, et cetera, what they need to provide. I think for us, it's more like, is it a relevant um add to the business and of course as we become bigger the point of relevance is also changing now so for example now we wouldn't acquire any more um a 15 people firm for example because for us the effort of integrating is then basically higher than um than the value it brings but um overall it's not like that we say there's there's a certain need um of uh, thresholds etc that companies have to achieve for us it's really like okay how does this um yeah uh, make our offering better how do we improve on the services side um which customers can we serve with this new offering and that's then basically where how we calculate our business case then behind it yeah yeah so i see it's it's much more on what is the value that that company brings to the portfolio yeah. and to the strategy yeah. of the portfolio but what you are saying is now there is kind of a, a minimum uh, 
thresholds to make to make sense to integrate in the group also given the risks uh, mm-hmm. of of acquiring a company right so yeah. would you say that at this stage would you would you see kind of 50 people or 30 people would be minimum or or larger than than that yeah i think that this is, is fair to say um because if not you know then also i mean if we get new services in and um, usually the guys are then directly um, consumed internally by Roboyo people from all different regions who want to bring the services to their markets, etc. So if you take the example again of 10 people, that would be too uh, thinly stretched and basically um, to, to get the people um, then also yeah working in the new markets, etc. So we need a bit of firepower plus our projects are also simply a lot bigger now where we yeah uh, and also need more people in this respective area. Yeah. Nicholas, amazing uh, conversation. Uh, as as, Thank as you very the much. audience knows, I, I would love to stay here for hours and ask all the questions <laughs> possible because uh, out of my curiosity and uh, also always willing to learn and learn more, I, I see so many companies, but uh, we always, as much as we know, we think that we, we, we understand what we don't know. And uh, <laughs> exactly. that's why I always leverage this conversation no more. Yeah. And I... And I also do this on on purpose, also to help all the community, including yourself, other entrepreneurs, to to learn from each other, and and create a community where we can support each other in our uh, growth trajectories. So let's let's close without going through all the questions that we we typically ask to our guests here on the show, but just ask the the number one question of of that um, of of that sequence, uh, which I think is one of the most uh, relevant and profound and philosophical or self-reflective uh, question, which is if you would have the opportunity to have a coffee with, with Nicholas uh, at the beginning of 2016, when you started Roboyu, what advice would you offer to you to that younger uh, mm. Nicholas? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought a bit about it. Um, I think for, for me, the number one topic would be don't be afraid of big names and big competitors now, because I think that's like um, the advantage that you have as a small speedboat firm, let's say, is I think really there's uh, laser focus um, and you can drive so much more value for customers compared to the big guys who think, yeah, they have uh, everything under control, you know, and are big in certain markets, usually very slow to see new trends, etc. So that would be definitely my advice, because at the beginning, we were, we had a completely different focus, we didn't want to go for enterprise customers at all, because we thought like, ah, the Accenture, Deloitte, etc, <laughs> they already work with them, and they don't want to work with small firms. And then just by coincidence, turned out that basically, even our first customers were already big firms. So that um yeah was um yeah was uh, something that um i think we were we had a completely um wrong understanding of the market back then and i think that's something where yeah don't be afraid to to push the big guys um i think that would be my number one amazing and and it's also fair to say that today you you know that you were able to to do that right so uh yeah. at the time it was kind of a, a fair fear yeah. to to have I'm, I'm and especially i think that's an entrepreneur am i being too bold too ambitious too crazy mm-hmm. uh and there is a fine line between yeah. the yeah. the craziness and 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 the confidence right that yeah. uh and, and this is really an important stuff especially because we need to be able to to stay confident and mm. to not be able to show the results for for five years so we need to be confident in the vision and work towards the vision during mm-hmm. a long time uh where people start laughing at us but uh, mm-hmm. then they start saying oh maybe <laughs> they are getting there and they're to the point yeah. that yeah they were visionaries right mm-hmm. they amazing thought process congratulations that but it be in the beginning uh everyone would say uh you are crazy to to go in in, in that route. So that, that's what is also so special about the emotional growth of being uh, an entrepreneur and being a CEO of, of, of a company. Uh, it's, it's really a, an emotional uh, roller coaster. Yeah, 100%. Nicholas, we need to have you back to talk about the post-acquisition integra- integration, yeah. also how you keep building your 
your leadership team uh, and uh, yeah, and also to explore a little bit further on on M and A because I believe it's it's a topic yeah. that is becoming more and more important. Also, with this trend that we had in the show, um, this new route for entrepreneurs instead of starting a company from scratch as you did, mm -hmm. uh, go go buy a company and and scale it. Uh, yeah. This new search fund entrepreneurship through acquisition. Uh, trend and I think that's that's a good combination uh, mm. that M and A can also uh, inspire uh, those those entrepreneurs. Yeah. Nicholas, thank you so much for making no, the time. Thank you for having for me. Your story. Yeah, it was great. Thank you very much. Thank you, and to our community, thanks for being there. We keep bringing you the best of the best to make your life a little bit easier as you scale up your company. See you soon, and keep scaling.